Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of the podcast between myself and Vicky McEwen, Better Me, Better Us. Good morning, good afternoon, hello, and welcome to you all. How are you? How are you, Vicky? Well, we were just laughing, weren't we, before we started recording <laughs> about what a long month it has been. Um, I'm okay. I'm glad that January is over and we're into February. Um, and it's been a busy month. What about you? How was January for you? Not bad, although everybody that I have been in contact has said that January has felt approximately eight years long. Um, so I don't know if January 2024 has felt particularly difficult for everybody. It's always the most difficult and challenging month, isn't it? Because it's post-Christmas. Uh, finances aren't usually great. It's dark when you go to work, dark when you come home. And the weather's slightly depressing, particularly if you live in the north of England, like Vicky and I. The weather's depressing and the news. Oh, my goodness. How depressing has the news been this month? And just the state of the world really adds that extra that acts extra heavy pressure. And then working within systems that are trying to support some of that, it's just, it's hard. hard. It's a hard slog, isn't it? It is. And we were just talking about that, weren't we, before we we actually pressed the record button on some of the news stories that have been around recently. So obviously this is what we commencing the, the 5th of February. So we're just talking about the, the back end of January moving into February. There's been a lot. Um, there's been a lot going on internationally, nationally in our own country, some high profile crimes that have yeah. been on the on the news. And I would suggest that they're, they're definitely topics on the adults' minds. So I wonder what our young people are talking about and, and how does this month feel for them as well? And what they're observing from the adults around them. I was just thinking then, I think, because it feels so heavy for adults and it absolutely will definitely be impacting young people, but how how are adults showing up for their young people and their children? Are they really present? Are they stressed? Are they sat in trauma, secondary trauma, compassion fatigue? How does that yeah. present in families and in, in workplaces and, and schools? Yeah, absolutely. Because, well, we know what it's like working quite often within children's services or other people that work within the public sector. Um, when there are situations or things in the news that impact effect or are attached almost to, to yeah. our sort of work roles it's stuff that we really talk about so there's the high profile uh murder case that's been on the news last week where two young people have been named which has been obviously a big decision from the court um you know there's been talks of autism in that children's mental health um brianna the victim um let's not forget her obviously there's talks about her identity and her you know, decision-making about who she felt she was and, and identified with and, and how that impacts and influence on some of the relationships that she had at school. Absolutely. And young people observing that, it's not creating or modelling a safe world to be yourself, is it? It's, oh, am I really going to be accepted, welcomed? Am I going to be safe if I am me? Yeah, absolutely. And, and yet we say don't we, that it's a modern world where we're accepting, please be you, you know, uh, to be unique and individual is to be beautiful and strong. And absolutely, you know, as a social worker, I 100% believe that. But you're right, 
although we're saying it, words are nothing without the actions that go alongside that. And and that's not what we're seeing, is it? And I wonder, you know, what messages young people that are struggling with their identity currently are getting from, from the news stories. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, Which it's, I guess that feeds nicely, doesn't it, into the fact that it is um, Children's Mental Health Week. And remind me, Hayley, what's the hashtag for this year? The hashtag for this year is hashtag my voice matters, um, which we know it absolutely does. And we I, I, I would suggest that have uh, always been huge advocates for the voice of the child and young people to to come through and to often lead a lot of the work that we do. Yeah, d- definitely. And it makes me think I have lots of conversations with parents well, and teachers and adults in general about we're living in a society where we're trying to really promote young people expressing their feelings, telling us how they feel. But yet, our, previous to our current conversation, are we really allowing them to truly express themselves? Are we really validating and yeah. listening to what they're saying? Because I think we say that we are, but we're so quick to invalidate, minimise, oh, it'll be fine, you'll be okay, or back when I was young. Yes. And it just <laughs> dilutes what they're saying, doesn't it? And it doesn't create an environment in which they're going to be forthcoming when they have difficulties. They're going to think, oh, there's not space for my worries here. No one's going to really matter or people will put me down or minimise it. And yeah, like you said, actions matter. It's not just language. It's the actions that come with it. Show me. Don't tell me. Show me. Um, Walk walk the walk. Don't talk the talk, isn't it? And it's like you just said there, you know, and I, I sort of shrugged myself. Again, I don't know if I've mentioned I have the joy of living with two teenagers. Females. Um, but like you said, as an adult saying, well, when we were young, when I was young, life was nothing like this. I mean, let's put it out there. I used to hear that from my parents. Well, when we were young, and even now thinking about that, you were post-war. I was 70s. There was a huge difference in society and and, and what was accepted and expected, I think. Um, and our young people now are living and growing up in well, I would would you want to be a teenager? Ask yourself that. All adults that are listening to this right now, would you want to be a teenager? Go through all of those teenage things that we know most of you did, those mistakes we made with social media around? I was gonna say, hell no. And it's that, isn't it? I know I'm a little bit younger than you, but I How had... dare you? <laughs> As a young person, I had a Nokia. So that meant we could text. You had to quickly get rid of some characters so it could all fit into one text message and it didn't cost That's you so much of a Um, But it's that. They didn't have the internet on. Nothing was as instant as it is now. And no. like you say, you could make a mistake. Yes, people might remind you of it. But oh my goodness, now they screenshot it. It gets shared publicly on a social media platform, sent around a group of friends. So absolutely young people and children today are not having the same experience that, no. that we had. So we absolutely need to, absolutely, you can have that thought in your head, but you need to pause before you say it out loud because what message is that giving to your child when you say that and you make that comparison? They know the world is very different because they're having yeah. to live in it every day and face the challenges that come with it. So don't yeah. minimise their experience. And they look at these real things called photographs that you used to go to a shop and print off. So they know that things were very different in the olden days. I know. Um, and you, you're what laughing. it is now. 
I was uh, laughing with a young person the other day that I said, oh, when I was at uni, oh my God, I'm cringing even saying it. We used to take a digital camera on a night out with you and then you'd stick it into your laptop the next day and upload it. And the young Ooh. person was like, you took a camera on a night out with you. <laughs> yes, you did. Like an umbrella, plenty of cash. <laughs> like you did in the olden days, a key to get in. All of these things. And you didn't text your friends to say where you're going to meet. You just turned up where you were going to meet and hope they were there. <laughs> but you're right, because their experience is so very different to what ours was, their voices do matter because I need your support as a child or young person. I need you to help me understand what it's like because I, I potentially don't. You know, I, I do try and take time out of my girls, even though they don't want me to. Um to figure out what's it, you know, what's it like at school at the moment. I think even the way that they, it's not completely different, but even the groups of people that you have at school are slightly different to when I was at school. I mean, when I was at school, you either had the cool kids or the non-cool kids who were the kids that played Dungeons and Dragons, really. Um, I don't think there's many young people are in that sort of place now, but there's so many different identities, isn't there now? So many different groups of young people. Yeah. And it's interesting, and I haven't personally seen it, Mean Girls has been re-released at the cinema, hasn't it? Yes. And I know a few people that have seen it, and I haven't, but I sort of asked what if it was similar to the original, and it is. So it shows that there are some themes and challenges mm. that are maybe the same, but how they're experienced is so different. And I love that that question or that phrase you used earlier, help me understand. It's yes. absolutely that, isn't it? Rather than being the expert, which we're not in our young people's lives, it's saying to that young person, Gosh, what's that like? Help me understand. How is that experienced for you? Yeah. And giving them the power there. Yes, the platform to to allow us to understand. You know, the, the, the power of the voice of the child is so important. We've always said that in the work that we do. Um, but you said something lovely as well. So I said, help me understand. But earlier you said, not only does my voice matter, but can you remember what you said? My experience matters. Yeah. Absolutely. My experience matters as well, because I was brought up that it was very much children should be seen and not heard. It was about the grown ups making the decisions. And, you know, people will say, well, that never did you any wrong. No, it didn't do any, me any harm. And I, I have grown up. OK, I think. <laughs> um, but I felt powerless a lot of the times. I had no say in what was happening in huge decisions in family life. That was for the grown ups to make. And we just sort of went along and did what we were expected. Now, some parents might be listening and going, yeah, and so you should. I'm not dis I'm not discounting that it is absolutely for the adults to make that final decision, but sometimes information's power. So yeah. even just having a conversation with your ch children so they can understand why decisions have been made um, and maybe, you know, put in their two penneth worth. What is their view? What do they think? Um you know, you and I are often surprised by the creativity um, of the people that we work with. So sometimes mm -hmm. just ask the question and put it out there. What do young people think? Absolutely. And they can communicate that in so many different ways. But it was making me think that we need to, to have the space or create the space where we can really listen rather than, come on quickly, what, what's going on for you? You've got 10 minutes, quick, quick, but <laughs> update me. And that's not a... a nurturing safe environment is it where someone is going to open up especially if they're going through challenges which 
we know so many young people now are experiencing um, mental health difficulties that actually it is a slow process in terms of when young people feel safe enough to open up. So let's create those safe places and build those safe relationships. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot more conversation about mental health, about how important it is to speak, and especially for for our young people who do carry a lot of weight on their shoulders sometimes because they don't want to burden their parents, particularly now, again, within that wider context of, it's a cost uh, cost of living crisis. So some kids will be seeing their parents struggle more than they've ever struggled. Plus it's that post-Christmas. They don't want to put their stress onto you. So sometimes, again, it's just that we've got to stop, even though they're not coming to us. Sometimes they say, oh, wait a minute, I haven't checked in with them for a week or so, you know, because life mm-hmm. is busy. Sunday night, whatever. Everything all right? How's life? How's school? You know, asking some of those questions or... My best ones were always going out somewhere, in the car, maybe going for a latte or a hot chocolate or whatever, you know, but then just having a, a general chat. But that really connects us um, to help them understand what's going on in my life and me for my kids, what's going on in their life. And remember, your children and young people are watching you constantly. So it's not just in those Very. moments that you connect with them that... Um, they're watching it's in how you respond to other people's difficulties what you say behind people's backs or behind closed doors so if to someone's face you're like oh that's really difficult I'm sorry to hear you're having such a Mm. uh, difficult time but behind closed doors you're like oh gosh they just need to man up and we know we hate that phrase (laughs) what a whinge yeah or the retention seeking if your child or young person sees you responding to that away from the young person away from the person sorry they're not going to be forthcoming because actually, well, I can see you probably think something different. Yeah, even even though you say to me, come on, son yeah. or daughter, let's go and have a chat. Yeah, there's something inside you go, oh, God, here we go. Absolutely. You know, it's also important, and I've actually written something down here about, um, you know, asking ourselves the question as parents or, or, or carers or members of families, how much does your child have a voice? And ask that both within your your family. So, you know, some of our families, my voice, my children might have a louder voice within our immediate family. Once we get to a wider family, it probably has to reduce a little bit because we've got some very loud mm-hmm. players. But how loud is their voice at school? I know my two children have had very different experiences of how loud their voices are at school. What about within a peer group? So where are they being heard? Because that, that, that need's got to be met somewhere. And we have a big fear, don't we, about our teenagers and the influence of their peer groups. Mm-hmm. But actually, if we're not providing that space to, to have those conversations, to allow our young people to unpack what's going on for them, they will go elsewhere. That is when they maybe have the, the closer relationships with the best friend's mother or, yeah. you know, because she happens to have the time and, you know, whatever that looks like. So how much of a voice does your child have? The other question to ask yourself as well is, if you could go back now to when you were a child, what would you want to be happening differently? You know, because I, I do very much remember I've got one, I'm in Germany, I'm because I'm a forces brat, I'm in Germany, I'm about eight, I'm walking into a living room where there's some adults and I got told to leave the room. It's really there very clear. Oh. The middle of the day, but again, wasn't allowed to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. No, no reasoning why. Mm-hmm. 
really good things to go away and reflect on and think mm. about, isn't it? And how how we are making sure that those voice voices are heard and that they know they matter and their opinions matter. And even just you then sharing your experience from childhood, it shows, doesn't it, that something can happen a long, long time ago. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> but, but we remember. So it makes me think when we're doing some sort of therapeutic life story work with children, yes, something might have happened a long time ago, but in some way, shape or form, whether cognitively or in a body felt sense, they will remember that experience. So yeah. let's give them, I was going to say give them permission and that doesn't even feel right, but let's create that space which allows them to express that and and work through it and explore it and make sense of it. Yeah, absolutely. And whether that's, that's us engaging in work directly with them that allows them to, you know, tell us their story in a way that, that, feels right for them or is it that the grown-ups actually rather than avoiding mm-hmm. that awful thing that happened all those years ago that we never want to talk about because god we do not want to risk it happening again maybe we need to create the space mm-hmm. that actually we can be the bigger person because if it's really awkward for us to think about and put words around imagine what that's like for a child who, as you said, remembers that time. And the level of shame connected to it, if we're not allowing them to express it and talk about it, it creates a sense of shame, doesn't it? Gosh, it, I am bad. That was really yes. bad. We can't talk about it. Um, and I was thinking then there's something really interesting because when we provide that space for children and young people to share their experiences, there is something about we're often... I say we, I am absolutely not, but some <laughs> professionals might be making the assumption that sibling groups have had a similar experience. Oh, yeah. And actually, depending on their developmental stage <laughs> and their previous experiences and um, their temperament and stuff, it will be experienced so differently. So we cannot generalise. So, so huge. And and just again, I was away working for a week last week. Um, and you're, you're right, because... Um, the the situation that we were working with involved, I think no, off the top of my head, it was six or seven children and young people that were involved in the same experiences. But you're right, one was twenty and one was two, so the eldest was twenty, the youngest is two. All being through the same, but how they will, well, the two year olds not going to put words around it, but they're going to mm-hmm. have some feelings around it. They're going to pick mm-hmm. up on the vibe around them, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So. Again, exactly how you've said, same things happen, but there's going to be a need for different communication going in to help each of those children with their different abilities to understand what happened and make sense. Definitely. So those life storybooks that someone will be putting together in some way, shape or form need to be written differently. Absolutely needs to be written differently. It really frustrates me when I see siblings life story books and I'm not I'm not um criticizing people because I know people are very busy but you can absolutely see when it's been a cut and paste job or the child's name's just been swapped for a different sibling's name and it's not personalized is that no it's not okay no okay this is big important life stuff um so please just slow down um and you might be late for that next meeting or you might not get that other bit of work done on time but please just slow down a second because I'm two, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be reading this for years and years and years to come, and this is about my life. 
And it's interesting because you know that I deliver some training in signs of safety. And just to to challenge you back, it's really interesting. I think we need to pick this up on another podcast because it's just different lenses, isn't it? Life story work is different to words and pictures. So life story work, yes, might need to be done separately. However, with a words and pictures explanation, what we would say is one explanation for the children, but that everybody understands because what mm-hmm. we don't want is if something bad happened in your family, we don't want a two-year-old and a 10-year-old to be talking about it different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you'll have different words maybe, but actually we mm-hmm. need to explain it to you the same. But as I'm speaking, you're absolutely right. The life story work does need to be different because how many times have we worked with sibling groups and a sibling group has maybe been matched for for adoption, they found the forever family, and then three years later, another sibling joins, although you hadn't planned that. The life experience is very different. Absolutely. And I was even just thinking, as you were saying, (laughs) in one way, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, that the explanation needs to be the same, because actually reasons why a child cannot remain living within the family unit is is fact and should be fact. This happened, this meant it was not safe. However, how that was then experienced has to be taken, yes. doesn't it? Because yes. actually in terms of that that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response, a teenager might have gone into flight and left the family home or yes. might have gone into fights and really challenged the parent or the perpetrator or whatever was going on. A two-year-old may well have gone into freeze. Yeah, so actually right. the facts of what happened have to be consistent through paperwork. But what that then meant in terms of a child's lived experience has to be acknowledge that it's different oh I love our conversations Vicky I always get so excited I want to go and do some direct work now um because you're right and the way that we would or the way that I would understand those different experiences is by doing direct work with the children gathering their voice yeah gathering the voice of the adults so obviously understanding some of that journey from their perspective so you're you're right we would hear how did that feel what was that lived experience like for you? That's their direct work. And then the explanation is the fact of, and this is what actually happened. But yeah. that's how you felt it. That's how you saw it. Yeah. Let's go out and change the world, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> Who's coming on a march? <laughs> but well, it's just coming back to what we always say, isn't it? Being human. And I'm really sad. And I think I messaged you at the end of last week. I felt really depressed is a bit of a strong word but really (laughs) deflated that oh my god the systems that we're working in absolutely I totally recognize that people are experiencing burnout compassion fatigue secondary trauma but oh my goodness bring the human you're working with some really difficult subject matters but at the end of the day you're working with people so be human comply 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 until you get your qualification then get in there and be that hopeful disruptor um, yeah, workers are good workers despite the system, not because yeah. of it. Um, and we've got very difficult systems to work in. And you're right, just step out sometimes, just step out, slow down, go, whoa, get me off this gravy train a minute. Mm-hmm. I need to just think as a human and connect. Definitely. And like you say, think about how in your workplace, your family, your whatever, how you're making sure that that child and young person's voice matters. How are you listening to them? And the voice might not be verbal. Yeah. Good point to end on, I think, there. Uh, Great, Vicky. Well, you've inspired me, as always. I always love spending time with you. Um, 
I hope other people have enjoyed listening to us today on the podcast and uh, we will be prepping our next one because now I feel completely motivated. Um, We hope that you have a good month because it'll be a month until we join you next. Um, We hope that you have the ability to check in with either your own children, children in your family, in your network or children that you work with. And just remember to slow down a minute and just catch what's their voice. How are they seeing things? Vicky, how would you like to end? Just it's been great having this conversation. And I think I know people can't see us, but we've been very animated with our arms this morning flying around. (laughs) So absolutely go and have some conversations and yeah, have a great month. And we look forward to connecting with you all again in March. I know. Happy February. Lighter nights are coming, everybody. Lighter nights. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.